1: I had no idea what I was going to talk about on today's episode. No idea at all. If you looked at the schedule that I have put together, you will see that that cell, that row in my Excel document is completely blank. I I had nothing scheduled for today. But last week, as I was putting some stuff together for another podcast episode, I stumbled onto the fact that Image Comics is celebrating 30 years of publishing comics this month, and considering that I was there when they started, I was in—I was in the game, baby. I, I well, I was working at a comic book store. Um, I think that we need to talk about that this week. So I guess we're going to do that. Boys and girls, your attention, please. Presenting a new exciting radio program. Featuring the thrilling adventures of an amazing and
0: incredible personality.
1: Hey folks, it's me, Stephen, welcoming you to another all-new episode of Just Another Fanboy, the podcast that often likes to pull episodes out of its own rear end, which is exactly what we're doing today, because as I said there up front, I, I literally stumbled upon the fact that Image Comics is celebrating 30 years of publishing this month in April. Because way back in April of 1992, Youngblood issue number one hit the stands. And that was the very first, very first ever comic published by Image Comics now, before we get into anything that uh, I really want to talk about when it comes to Image and their their 30 years and all the fun stuff we're, we're going to get into there, I want to take a quick moment to let everybody know that I had a new uh, podcast episode for a new podcast drop this week. It's episode number one of the Superman Super Show, and this is a show, well, I tell you what, let me just play the trailer for you. That'll tell you all you need to know. Hello and welcome to the Superman Super Show. My name is Steven, and I'm here to let you know what you can expect from this new podcast. It's actually pretty simple. Starting on Monday, April 18th, I'm getting together with fellow podcaster Ed Moore, and we're going to be talking about Superman comics. That's it. Well, I should explain that we're starting from the beginning, and we're taking it all one issue at a time, one episode at a time. What that means is that in episode one, we're going to go back to April 18th, 1938, to talk about the first appearance of Superman in Action Comics number one. In episode two, we're going to talk about Action Comics number two. In episode number three, we're going to talk about Action Comics number three, and so on and so on and so on. But it's not just Action Comics we're going to be reading and talking about, we're going to read every Superman comic ever. In order of publication. Yeah, I know, impossible, right? I mean, we're talking about 84 years worth of Superman comics. I'm pretty sure that the two of us are going to kick the bucket before we get anywhere close to modern day Superman. But you know what? That's for future Steven and future Ed to worry about. For now, we're just having fun with these Golden Age Superman books. And I have to tell you, if you've never read Golden Age Superman, then you're in for a treat. Because the Superman of 1938 is nothing like the Superman of today. But don't take my word for it. Here's just a little of what you can expect from the Superman Super Show each and every week. It seemed very broken. It was a bit disjointed. Good Lord, so much happens in those 13 pages. <laughs> he could jump, you know, and, yeah. and it would be a little bit easier for him. No, he just runs he just, everywhere. It's like Forrest Gump. He was running. <laughs> What is he doing? He's got this freaking woman bound and gagged and he just like stay here and sticks her behind a tree. So they're 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 cohesing, is that yeah. a word? I, I don't know. It's not the John Byrne, Jim Lee, Wills Portachio, hyper uh even J.R.J.R. you know, art. It's yeah. very loose. Or very open. Um, I think I've learned many lessons about equality and tolerance and whatnot because of comics. But sometimes you just want to see Superman take a torturer <laughs> and throw him in. <laughs> throw him. In, yes. Throw him beyond the distant trees. The, the flesh javelin Olympics the, uh, with exactly. Superman in the lead. There you go, folks. The podcast where two regular guys separated by a thousand miles of geography try and read every Superman comic ever. Then talk about them, one issue at a time. That's the Superman Super Show. Coming to a podcatcher near you on Monday, April 18th. Don't miss it. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics Magazine. So yeah, the Superman Super Show. Find that at supermansupershow.com. Back to whatever it was we were talking about. There's a lot. There there are a lot of great resources out there. There are books. There are documentaries. You can can find the documentaries on YouTube or other places that might stream stuff. Uh, You can find the books anywhere. Um, Specifically, well... I guess specifically for example, there's a book that uh, I've never read called Image Comics, The Road to Independence. It was released by Tomorrow's Publishing. Um, You can probably find that uh, on Amazon or or other places. There's a DVD called The Image Revolution, which you can get over at uh, Amazon and, and, and places like that. But that's not really why I'm here. I'm not here to talk about The, you know, the backstory, the history of how Image Comics came to be, because there are many other places for you to find that information, and there are many other places that's going to do a much better job than I am or could do uh, in giving you that information. I'll give you some of the basics, but in the end, I'm going to probably tangent all over the place because I thought it would be kind of fun to talk about how I literally, well, not literally, I mean I didn't fall, but how i I discovered, I guess you could say uh stumbled upon, as I said earlier, that image was was celebrating this this birthday this month. I also want to talk a bit about young blood issue number one, which kind of kicked the whole thing off for for image comics. uh I'm not gonna talk too much about young blood number one because the Well, I'll tell you what, before I, because explaining why I'm not going to talk about Youngblood, number one, too much, uh, really kind of segues into how I stumbled upon this information. So some of you may know this, some of you may not. If you are a member of the forums over at forum.justanotherfanboy.com, you may have read through uh, this story that I, I posted the other day. But There's another podcast that I used to do called Stephen or Else, and I'm going to be making some changes to it, starting it over, uh, at some point in the future. But before I do, I have dedicated myself to creating all of the, all of the episodes that will make up season one of Stephen or Else and having them all done and in the can before I release one episode. And, uh, if you've heard any of the episodes that are up already, I mean, I I started this podcast, Stephen or else I I wanted to do this thing where I um, just basically had a lot of fun with with the show and made it an actual show. I had audio sketches, I did talk about comics and 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 stuff like that. But when I originally conceived of this idea. Typically, I, I jump into stuff without giving it a lot of thought. I felt like I gave this this one a lot of thought before I jumped into it, but turns out I didn't. One of the things I didn't account for is the fact that these shows, these episodes, it's it's not like just another fanboy. I don't have to do too much work ahead of time for just another fanboy, other than maybe read the book that I'm going to talk about or... Watch the movie that I'm going to talk about, right? And then I just hit record. I may type up some ideas for how I want to uh, introduce the show and whatnot. But as far as most of what I say on this show, it's just off the top of my head. Uh, At the most, I may have some bullet points. Um, For example, this episode that you're listening to right now, uh, I have nothing written down. This is all off the top of my head. I have a website pulled up that I might grab some information on, but that's it. But for Steven or else, literally every bit of that is scripted. I write the the sketches, of course. I perform the sketches. I write up the comic book reviews. I write up the intros. I write up uh, the the, you know, well... The news stories that that were on there, I would, of course, just read. But everything else is all, it all comes down to um, how creative I might be feeling. And one thing I have learned about myself over the years is that, in general, I'm not feeling as creative as I like to be. In general, it's it's really annoying, and I, it makes me angry. But I will go through these bursts of creativity that may last three or four months, and then I could go another six months with just without feeling it at all. And so that's what happened when I uh, conceived the idea of Stephen or else I was feeling really creative. And I think I had the first two episodes all written up and I started recording and started releasing. And at some point I had just run out of time. And in fact, there are certain sketches and whatnot in these episodes that I'm not, I've never been happy with because I didn't know how to end them. I wasn't, I didn't have enough time to really give a lot of thought to how uh, sketches should be ended or kind of looking, really giving them a, a like a first draft, second draft kind of process like I would do with when I would write books. And so I just, you know, I said, it doesn't matter, just keep going. And there are certain episodes I put out that, are more like just another fanboy and should never, you know. I, I was just, I had gotten to a point in certain weeks where I didn't have anything and I felt like I had to put something out. So, of the sixteen episodes of Stephen or else that are out there right now, I don't know that there is one complete episode that I'm happy with. I'm happy with bits and pieces, but. The last episode I put up was over six months ago, and I think it was six months before I put up an episode before that one, and uh, it's given me a lot of time to really thought, think, thought, it's given me time to thought, it has given me a lot of time to really think and reflect on where I went wrong, what I was doing right, what I would do if I started it all over, and that's kind of what I'm doing now. And one of the things that I wanted to really give thought to was if I'm going to talk about a comic book in each one of these episodes, there should be somewhat of a theme that will uh, go across the the entire season. And I was trying to come up with different ideas. You know, should I, should I read uh, 12 issues of a certain run? Should I do only um a certain creator's work uh should i do only golden age books should i do only silver age books you know should i do books that were important to me as part of my nerd growth and in the end i i don't know honestly how this idea came into my mind but i was thinking well probably because i was thinking about that idea of which comics kind of were important to me and uh The idea of image comics and the, the beginning of image comics kind of hit me in the brain. And I thought, what if I dedicated the first season to number one issues of image comics that came out in their first year or the, or their first two years or their first five years or, or whatever. I was kind of open ended at that point. And I thought, I'll see. Let me see how many number one issues were released in the first year. Now, I knew at that time that Youngblood issue number one was the first image comic to be released. So I looked that up and every website that I could find said that it was released in April of 1992. And it didn't dawn on me at all as I was looking into this last week and doing my research that we are in the month of April, and it's 2022, 30 years later. I didn't, I didn't put that connection together, but I discovered upon doing my research. And you have to understand that when I do my research, when I, I don't like to do research, so basically, I just went to a couple of websites and I, I found one, uh, Indiepulse.com, uh, where a guy named John Babos. I, I apologize, John, if I mispronounced your name, but. He put a post up back on December sixth of twenty twenty one, in which he has attempted to show uh, which number ones were released by Image Comics uh, for each of the first four years that Image Comics was in existence. And through this list, I discovered that they had released eight comics in that first year, eight number one issues—not eight comics, but eight number one issues. In that first year of 1992. Now his article does say that over the first seven years. Image Comics launched over 375 number one issues. And I'll just make a dumb joke here. I'm willing to bet that at least 75% of those came from Rob Liefeld's studio. uh, Because he, I tell you what. That man, I don't don't have. I'm not one of these people who like to bash Rob Liefeld. I, I happen to have a lot of admiration and respect for that man. I don't always like everything he puts out. I think he uh, he's kind of like a dog seeing a squirrel. He <laughs> he thinks of something, uh, he sees something shiny, and he's like, I'm going to make a book out of it. I just got an idea about a guy who carries two swords, and I'm going to call him Bloodbath. Bam, that's a book. <laughs> you know, it's just... And then he releases two or three issues, and uh, he may not do anything other than come up with the idea and hand it off to somebody else in his studio. But that, for me, that's my biggest memory from those first few years of Image Comics was the sheer number of books that came out of Rob Liefeld's studio. And again, I didn't like all of them. I didn't. And that's okay because, like I said, I, I like the guy. I've. I have been at comic book conventions and sat in on panels that he has been on. I have listened to podcasts that he has been interviewed on. I have read interviews with the man. And he is a guy that just, he's he loves comic books. He is, he's got a huge, super geek, childhood-like love for comics. The man is just in awe of them. And he... Was given the opportunity to create those, cre- you know, create comics to create whatever the crap jumped into his head. That's pretty much what I do on these podcasts, and why I why I have so many of them. I don't want to be known as the Rob Liefeld of comic book podcasts, but I'm afraid that's where it's heading. Anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway, what was I saying? Oh, so yeah, according to this article. 375, over 375, number one issues released by Image Comics in the first seven years. I wanted to focus on, I wanted to see how many were released in the first year of ni- 1992, which was eight. Those books were Youngblood, number one, Spawn, number one, Savage Dragon, number one, Wildcats, number one. Do I have to keep saying number one? We all know it's their number one issue. Shadowhawk, Brigade, Cyberforce. And Supreme. So I thought to myself, all right, that's perfect. My first season of Stephen or else will be eight issues long. It will consist of sketches, other funny bits and bobs, fake commercials. And there will be be centered around in the middle of the show, a comic book review. And each of the eight episodes will uh, that comic book review will be one of these eight comics in order. So episode one will be Youngblood number one. Episode two will be Spawn number two and so forth and so on. Now it does say, it does go on to say that in 1993, it looks like there were 36 new number ones in 1993. Some of those were Pit, Death Blow, Shaman's Tears, which I kind of remember. Brigade, uh, which is a volume two of Brigade. So Hold on, let me back up a minute. Like I said, I'm going to do a lot of tangenting. So, eight new number ones in 1992. This does not include, um, I think they did their crossover or they may have started a crossover with, uh, what it, I don't know if they were Acclaim at the time or if they had already changed their name to Valiant, but they, Image and that other comic book company had done a crossover. Called Deathmate, and I think issue number one of that came out in '92, so this doesn't include that. Um, But eight issues: Youngblood, Brigade, and Supreme. Three of the eight issues are part of Liefeld's studio, his his group. So in '93, we get Pit, Deathblow, again Shaman's Tears, which was a Mike Grell book, and I. I remember, I know the name, I'm looking at the cover, it, 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 it strikes a, a chord with me, but I don't remember reading it, although I'm sure I did. I have so many unsorted comic books just lying around in my attic, and I know I bought most of these in those first few years. Uh, a volume two of Brigade, a volume two of Shadowhawk, we had The Max, Stormwatch, something called Darker Image, Larry Stroman's Tribe, I, I, I do seem to remember that a bit. Their uh, Bloodstrike, Mystery Incorporated, Wildstar, Trencher, Union, Super Patriot. Actually, it looks like maybe Deathmate came out in 93. Profit came out in 93. Vanguard, that was an Eric Larson thing. The, the Cyberforce uh, was also, a vo- there, we also got a volume two of Cyberforce. It was originally, I think, a four-issue series. And then uh, they got the ongoing in 93. Looks like we got a third volume of Shadowhawk in 93, and then Freak Force and Phantom Force and Troll, and then 38 new number ones in 94. Codename Strike Force, some more Stormwatch. Gen 13 came out in 94. Uh, Was it that first issue of Gen 13? Was it? I'm trying to remember now. I'm trying to to reach my mind back. So if anybody remembers, uh, call me now or, of course... Just send me an email at justanotherfanboy@gmail.com, at gmail.com or join us over on the forums, forum.justanotherfanboy.com. Were there two volumes of Gen 13 at the time? Because I, I feel, I remember that one of the number one issues that came out, there were 13 different covers, and some of them were pretty darn awesome. But this introduced us, uh, introduced the world to J. Scott Campbell, who is a big uh, cover artist these days, from I remember, but. I don't, again, I don't remember if Gen 13 did like the Cyber Force route where they did like a four issue miniseries and then an ongoing series after that. And maybe that's where all 13 of those alternate covers came from. There was a book in 94 called The Pact, which the name sounds familiar, but this cover does not. We got a Batman Spawn crossover, a book called The Kindred. I skipped Backlash, right? because I'm here in 94, and this book called The Kindred has Grifter from Wildcats and Backlash, and yet I don't remember seeing Backlash, and I feel like that book came out fairly early. Backlash was a book by, uh, oh man, I can't remember that guy's name. I just remember really enjoying the book, but we'll just keep going through 94 here. Um, So we had the Batman Spawn crossover, and I I feel like DC put out an issue called Batman Spawn, and then Image put out an issue called Spawn Batman. We had the New Men, which, good Lord, the problem with creating new superheroes these days is because frickin' Rob Liefeld created so many of them, it's hard to find names that haven't already been used. And here's another superhero team from the mind of Rob Liefeld, a book called Boof. I don't remember this at all. I mean, I do. It looks super familiar. The cover does, but I don't, I have no idea who that is on art on the cover. Wetworks came out in 94, Wills Portasio, which the, 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 the founders of image. Okay. So if you're not that familiar with the story, basically in 92, you had like the biggest names in comics were guys like Todd McFarlane, Rob Liefeld. Jim Lee, Eric Larson, Jim Valentino had just uh, re- relaunched Guardians of the Galaxy, and that was that was uh, um, becoming very popular. Mark Silvestri was over on X Men for a while before Jim Lee got on X Men. Mark Silvestri was kicking a lot of butt on X Men. Of course, the 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 three that everybody knows is Rob Liefeld, Todd McFarlane, and Jim Lee, because each one of those three. I don't know if it was something that Marvel did to try to keep them happy because those guys were really raking in the bucks, but each one of them kind of got their own title. Rob Liefeld made a name on New Mutants. Um, he, he brought cable and, and Deadpool into Marvel comics. He was then given his own book called X Force, which was basically New Mutants, just now called X Force. Uh, before him, though, Todd McFarlane, had he had started to make an, a name on The Incredible Hulk, and then he went to The Amazing Spider-Man, and that's where he really blew up. And then they gave him his own title, just called Spider-Man, that he wrote and drew. And the first issue came out and broke all kinds of records. And then Rob Liefeld got X-Force, which he didn't write. I, I think he plotted with uh, Fabian... His first, his last name starts with an N. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name because I always get it wrong. X-Force number one came out and broke more records than Spider-Man did. And then Jim Lee got X-Men. So he was doing Uncanny X-Men and they started this new book that was just called X-Men. Chris Claremont was still writing. I think I think Claremont may have left during the X-Men run, but it was jim lee's flagship title and and i and it broke even more records than amazing spider-man and x force well after a bit some of these guys and it really kind of started from what i understand it kind of started with rob liefeld jim valentino and eric larson they had at a convention or something they had gone to dinner with some of the people uh who did malibu comics which was an independent publisher and they got to talking and they really liked Malibu's model which ultimately was if you create a comic for us you own the rights to that comic as a creator. We're going to we'll publish it for you, we'll make some money off of it, but in the end you own it. You could take it to any other publisher, you can sell it to movies, you can do what you want with those characters, they are yours. And of course any character that those guys created for Marvel or DC belong to Marvel and DC and they kind of they kind of like the idea of creating characters and then owning them. You know, that's that is really kind of the goal for, I think, a lot of comic creators is to do their own thing. It just doesn't pay as much as it, when you're working at Marvel or DC. Well, at one point they 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 got Todd McFarlane in with them and uh, Mark Silvestri and uh, Will Sportacio and who else was in that first group? It was seven of them, I think. So Rob Liefeld, Todd McFarlane, Eric Larson, Jim Valentino, Will Spertasio, Jim Lee. Who is the one guy I'm flipping missing? I'm going to hit myself in the head. You're probably screaming at your device. Mark Silvestri. Yeah, I left him out. So these seven guys decided they were going to strike out on their own, and they were going to form this new comic book publisher called Image Comics. And eventually at some point down the road, uh, Rob Liefeld was ousted, uh, Robert Kirkman a number of years later, he became, uh, a partner or a founding partner, but you know, in a nutshell, that's kind of the story of image comics. And at the time I have to tell you, I was, I would have been 19. Maybe I was working at a comic book store. I was a couple of years out of high school and, we all knew, of course, what was going on and that these new image books were coming. And I loved X Force. I loved X Men. I loved Todd McFarlane's Spider-Man. I just was ready to see what they could do on their own and, uh, bought practically everything that image released in those first few years. Um, and it all kicked off with Youngblood number one. Now, as I was doing some research for this, uh, upcoming episode of Steven or Else, which, you know, honestly may not come out for a year. I don't know how long it's going to take me to to put eight episodes together. I toyed with the idea of releasing the episodes the same month that these issues were released, but I'm not, I, that's not feasible. I don't want to put that much pressure on myself, folks. So, which that's why I'm willing to go ahead and talk about Youngblood number one a bit on this episode, because by the time you get a more Extensive review of the book in Steven or else it, it, it's going to be a bit. So as I said, Youngblood number one came first. And then it appears as if Spawn, the second book that Image produced Spawn didn't come out until June. So between April and June, it was just Youngblood number one sitting on the shelves, you know, carrying the flag for Image Comics and. When these guys decided they were going to go off and do their own thing, I guess they all went and they met with the heads of Marvel Comics and the heads of DC Comics and just said, we're not working for you guys anymore. I don't think any of them even worked for DC at that point, but they just walked in and went, yeah, you guys screwed up, basically. Uh We are seven big money-making creators, and we've asked you before that we need to be compensated as such and that you should change your work for hire policy and blah, 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 and all this stuff, all the reasons they left. And y'all told us no, so we're taking our ball and we're going elsewhere. And uh I don't know what the sales numbers were. I, I don't think any any of the image comics, I don't know, maybe Spawn broke some records. I don't think any of them broke the the X-Men record though that that Jim Lee's X-Men set in 91 or, or or early 92 whenever that was. But still they sold a lot of books and they just kept putting them out there, but they weren't able to just go and start up their own company as far as uh publish, you know, printing comics and distributing them and all that stuff. They couldn't do that right off the bat. So they actually partnered with Malibu Comics. If you look at some of these first Image Comics that came out in 92. I don't know how long they went before they were all officially under the Image Comics umbrella. I mean, they all carry the Image Comics logo on the front cover. They are Image Comics. But if you look at the inside cover, you'll see Malibu represented as as well, because Malibu basically kind of uh, paid the bills until the money started coming in and they earned enough that they could all go out and do it themselves as image comics. So they, they fronted the money, they printed the books, they distributed the books. It was, you know, it was a partnership there for a little while. And Malibu knew that knew that this was all just to get, you know, that this was temporary. I don't, I don't think they thought that image would stay with them. So that, you know, that by itself is pretty cool. Um, Let's see, Hellshock, looking back over at more books that came out in 94. Hellshock, which was a Jay Lee book. If you're familiar with Jay Lee, he uh, Image Comics gave us Jay Lee. Here's some more flipping Rob Liefeld books. Dooms 4, another troll book. All right, so uh, nothing, well, Team 7, I remember getting that. A lot of these, by 94, as I'm scrolling through this, I was not getting everything. Uh, Team 7, I did pick up. I, I'll i be honest with you, after a while, I was avoiding the Rob Liefeld books. It looks like Backlash didn't come out until November of 94. Wow, I, fe- I thought that had come out much earlier, but apparently they did not. Anyway, as I said before, I so rudely interrupted myself. I had started really kind of avoiding the Rob Liefeld Extreme Studios books. I was buying a lot of the Wildstorm books. Yes, if you only know Wildstorm from DC, at one point, Jim Lee did sell his Wildstorm Studios to DC, and Jim Lee now works for DC Comics. Um, I don't know if he's still considered a founder of Image. Let me go back to the beginning of this article where they talk about the founders. Only four of them remain. So, Jim Lee, Leifeld, and Protasio, they are no longer uh, f- Image founding partners. They're, they're no longer involved with, with Image Comics. Pretty crazy, guys. Pretty crazy. All right, I'm going to continue scrolling here until if any more books pop out at me. Gru the Wanderer, that was an Image comic for a bit. I don't know how long Gru stayed with Image, but yeah, there was a number one grew issue in 94. Uh, and I may n- have never heard of Gru. I, I uh, may have gotten to a point where I just, you know, was ignorant of uh, a title named Gru had it not been... For image comics so let's talk a moment about young blood number one because i find it very interesting that this is the book that started it all and i read it recently and recently sat down and wrote down all of my thoughts for this episode and um i'm not going to go through everything there of course because i'll be using that in an episode of steven or else but I, i what i'll say is this um I remember loving the book back in 92. I remember um, no longer buying books from Rob Liefeld's Extreme Studios. Honestly, here's the thing. If an Extreme Studios book came out, the first thing I did was see if the art was done by Liefeld. If it wasn't, then I didn't pick it up. That's that's where it, where it got. Because he ended up with a lot of guys working for his Extreme Studios that really tried to look like Rob Liefeld artwork, which nowadays in, in you know, in, in 2022, when most of the internet enjoys bagging on Rob Liefeld in his art, that, I mean, f- for somebody who wasn't there at the time to hear maybe that there was a whole group of dudes that worked for Rob Liefeld who tried their hardest to to draw like him that that looked up to him as a you know an, an influence and somebody that they wanted to be like as far as their their artistic talent and and the way their art looked and and yeah that's there were a bunch of them out there and I'm not sure how to put this without making the internet laugh but they didn't do it as well as Rob Liefeld now again I'm not one of these Liefeld haters I in most cases, rather enjoy his artwork. When he is on, he is on. I have no problem with, uh, the, 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 the numerous pouches, um, the, you know, the big muscly men, the, the women who aren't quite proportioned in any way that, uh, you would actually see in nature. Um, the way he made men and women pose in, in such ways that, uh, spines and bones would break. I had no issues with all the guns and the weird face hugging masks that he would put on people that just weren't really masks (laughs) and the uh shoulder pads. Oh my God. You know, one of the things that people give Liefeld crap about is they are the, the big thing is that he doesn't like to draw feet or that he can't draw feet because they found so much artwork from him that does not show people's feet. But that's, I'm going to say that that's that's stupid because there's a lot of Rob Liefeld artwork out there with feet. (laughs) You know, it's a stupid thing to have to say. There's a lot of it out there though. Youngblood number one is full of feet. All right. It would almost be more true to say that Rob Liefeld doesn't like to draw shoulders because he sure put shoulder pads on a lot of characters. Not all of them. There are a lot of characters of his where you can see their shoulders. But if you look at Bedrock, for example, well, he was Bedrock in issue number one of Youngblood. And at one point, Hanna-Barbera sued him because of the name. He couldn't use the name Bedrock because that's where the Flintstones lived. And so he changed it to Badrock, which is a stupid name. But (laughs) since it happened very early on, Uh, There's a lot of people that don't remember that he was called Bedrock first and that Badrock is really a a new name for him. I mean, he actually has been Badrock probably uh, 99% of the time that the character has been in existence. But for me, he's always going to be Bedrock. But he had these just giant slabs of curved metal that sat on his shoulders. I don't know what they attached to. They didn't seem to attach to his costume. They just were there on his shoulders. And Liefeld did that to a lot of his characters. If they're, if they, if they weren't just big slabs of metal, they were big, puffy pieces of, of fabric of some sort. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I look at Youngblood number one and I get it. I get the criticism, but when I look at a lot of his art, I'm looking at a guy who, who loves to draw comics, who, to, to steal something I from the review that I did write, uh, I think I wrote something to the effect of reading a Rob Liefeld book is li- would be like watching him play with his action figures. That's, that's what it's like. And sometimes I think it works and sometimes it doesn't. And I think anybody going into a Rob Liefeld book thinking that they're going to get a deep, emotionally impactful story uh, should probably stop reading comics because they're not going to get that. Out of a Rob Liefeld book, they're going to get things blowing up, people gritting their teeth, people posing, and more stuff blowing up. That's that's what you read a Rob Liefeld comic for. Um, however, I will say this. Youngblood, number one, I did not. It, it was bad. It, Looking at it now, reading it now, it, it was not a good book. Um, it had a lot of problems. And it's not all because of the art. Some of the art was, was really good. Some of it was not great. Um, I think one of the things that Liefeld lacked back then, I think he, the, the longer he has created comics, he's, he's gained a bit of this. But back then he, he, you know, all right. So he, he plotted the book, but he did not script it. He did not do the dialogue. Well, before this, like on X Force and New Mutants, I'm fairly certain he had a writer. So he may have come up with ideas. He may have plotted books, but he may have also then gotten a script back from a writer that described what should be in a panel and panel layout and stuff like that. Because I also, within the last year or two, read X-Force number one. And when I hold up X-Force number one next to Youngblood number one, as far as the storytelling, Youngblood number one does not hold a candle to X-Force number one. There were some panel layouts that were extremely hard to understand when I was reading that book. You know, where do I go from this panel to this panel? I I should, my eyes should go here, but that didn't make any sense. So I'm going to go this way and that makes a little more sense, but it still didn't make a lot of sense. That for me was the biggest problem with this book was not Liefeld's art in general, but the way his art really kind of failed to tell a story also the book is it's a it's a flip book mean which means that there's two stories in the book two different covers there's not a front or a back basically depending on which way you're holding the book there's a cover on one side and the story starts there and then the story ends when you get to the middle of the book and then you flip the book over and there's a new cover and a new story starts and Youngblood consisted of two teams, an away team and a home team. And what they did was they split this book up. It was a regular sized comic. They split it up and told one story with the home team and one story with the away team. And there were so many char- new, brand new characters in this book that there's not really a lot as far as, uh, well, I mean, I don't want to say there's not a lot of substance in the book because you do, you're not looking for substance when it comes to a Liefeld book. but. I almost would have liked to have gotten to know one or two of the characters a little better in that first book. I mean, really, all they did in issue number one, the only setup they accomplished was to let the reader know that there is a group possibly run by the government of superpowered individuals called Youngblood. Uh, Here are eight or nine characters, uh, you know, people that are on the team. Here are their powers. Um some of them seem cool, some of them seem noble, some of them seem evil. Uh that's about it. That's that's about it. And I just think there there could have been a little bit more effort in that that first book as far as uh I, I just maybe instead of splitting up the book into two stories they could have focused on a a, a smaller story uh just to get us you know, introduced to maybe two or three of the main characters and then start introducing us to more characters as, as the book, the issues go on. But yeah, um, I was a little disappointed rereading it after all this time. It's funny because I say a lot that for those of you, if, if, if you're a youngster reading this book and you weren't reading comics at the time, then you don't know, you don't know what it was like. You don't know, uh, how it felt to suddenly start seeing these the th- this artwork from guys like Rob Liefeld, which you know, looking back and looking at some of these older books that were out at the time, just feels like a weird thing to say because it's not like the the artwork was stale from the other artists. I mean, we still had guys like Bill Sendkovich back then and John Byrne and uh, Wow, there aren't any other names. I'm, I'm just other than I just I had a whole list of them in my head, and suddenly they've just. They've just flown away, and I'm sure uh, those of you who were around at the time are screaming at me because Barry Windsor Smith, he was one. John Buscema, I have so much more appreciation for John Buscema now than I ever did back then. Mark Texaria, of course. I, well, yeah, I guess he he came out in the in the 90s, um, I believe, Ghost Rider was nineties. He, he, he did a finishes on that book. He didn't do full pencils for the first number of issues. Anyway, it's weird saying that looking back now and seeing that really these seven guys weren't, weren't it there. They weren't the, the, they weren't the only guys doing something a little differently. So it's weird to think about the fact that when I first started reading new mutants with Rob Liefeld, that I really did feel like I was looking at something I that was just so new and so dynamic and so energetic, something I'd never seen before. And uh, I know that I wasn't alone in those feelings because he he still sells a lot of books to this day. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know what else I want to say. Congratulations on Image Comics for 30 years of publishing. I wish them 30 more. They they really are a much different company than they were back then. You know, when they started, they were just uh, these seven guys that uh, were split up into three or four different studios. Jim Lee had Wildstorm, and then he had guys with him like Will Spertasio and Brett Booth. That's the guy who did Backlash. Rob Liefeld had Extreme Studios, and he had a bunch of dudes with him. Eric Larson was on, you know, he had he I don't think he neither he nor Todd McFarlane ever had a studio name. They just did their books. And those are two guys that are still doing the same book to this day. Uh, None of the others are of the of the books that came out in the in that first year, Spawn and Savage Dragon are still being published today. Mark Silvestri had Top Cow Studios. Uh, I, I, I don't know if that's still a thing. I feel like it was there for a while. And then he had uh, a number of people working with him. And as I'm talking about it, one of, the, one of the words that I keep saying over and over as I'm talking about Image is guys and dudes and fellas. And uh, I, I'm just shaking my head because uh, it's just a shame that, that uh, there, there didn't seem to be any women at all involved in those early years of Image Comics. But nowadays Image is a place for a creator to go and create their own books and still it's still run it's still somewhat run by the same model that creator still owns the book, they own the rights to it, they own the characters and Image just makes money off of the publishing of those books. Which is why they do need to be fairly selective when it comes to choosing which Books and stories and creators they want to they want to work with and which stories and and whatnot they want to do and that's why a lot of their stuff is is really good and other studios other Im- uh, blah, blah blah honk can't talk other companies have somewhat followed that model to a certain extent and at one time it used to be just Marvel and DC and then it was Marvel DC and Image with you know other independents revolving around dark horse stepped up now we got places like boom studios and idw and there's just so many of them and i don't want to say that image started the revolution but they kind of did all right that's i think that's all i'm gonna say folks send me an email just another fanboy gmail.com come over to the forums forum.justanotherfanboy.com join that you can join my 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 newsletter called steven says stuff you can find that at list dot just another fanboy and then every episode i put out be it this one or the superman super show or whatever you're going to get emailed directly into your inbox and then of course join me back here on thursday for another jaf classic episode in which i'm looking at my top five favorite books from november of 2006 because the episode came out in december of 2006 and you really got to listen to it because i say something incredibly stupid in that episode about the question that's that's all i'm going to tell you that's that's the only tease you're going to get but until then folks my name is steven and i'm just another fanboy. be nice to each other
0: Bye-bye, Daddy. Bye-bye, Daddy. Good job.